0: This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar. And this time, we're going to be previewing the NBA season of the 2021-2022 season, the Western Conference. Anything that has to do with the Eastern Conference, like let's say the Milwaukee Bucks or LaMelo Ball of the Hornets or the Chicago Bulls, that's going to be in the Eastern Conference podcast that is already up there. This one's all about the West. And we'll start with the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets have been always a team that finishes with a top two or top three finish. It just seems like every year, like they finished third two years ago and three years ago they finished with the second seed and last year they finished with the with the third seed with the third seed. Because pretty much during the regular season Nikola Jokic who is the best center he showcased that last year Winning MVP and finishing the third record despite missing his second best player on his team, Jamal Murray. He is the best center. He's not the greatest defender like Bam Adebayo or Joel Embiid, but he is the best center. He scores. He rebounds. He's a great passer, facilitator. He's getting triple-doubles right and left last year. Nikola Jokic is the best center in the NBA. He's a top-ten player. And again, he's going to have to prove it again because he's going to be without Jamal Murray for a good chunk of the season and his injury is going to keep him out, not just as all of last year when he got hurt, but also a good chunk of this season. What really helped him was Michael Porter Jr., who everybody stayed away in the draft of his back issues and basically redshirted his f- first year in the NBA. That dude has come out on top, man. He's a great shooter. He's been playing good enough defense and he's just been a good second scorer to help Nicole Jokic so he doesn't do it all by himself. So they're like, well, that's not enough to be a top three seed. Well, we'll add the fact that Jamal Mori will come back in the second half. But you have Austin Rivers, who they re-signed. They got Monty Morris and this Facundo Campazzo. Those guys played really well in role and you know, role players last year. They also signed PJ. They also PJ Dozier as well. He is a good enough player as well at the guard position the thing is they lost two of their big men Paul Millsap and Jim McGee and Paul Millsap's been there for a while but they re-signed Jermichael Green and brought in Jeff Green so those guys Jeff Green is a really would be a stretch four or five no matter where you play Jermichael Green's really a power forward but when Nikola Yoke is playing most minutes you don't really need a real center to back him up you see somebody take like 10 minutes and that's really where Bull Bull comes you know Manupol's son and it, the dude is freakishly tall at his size and the dude can handle the ball. So the fact that it's 72 with a 78 wingspan, he can dribble up and down the court. That's cool. And they still got Will Barton at two guard. They don't have Gary Harris anymore. They have Will Barton and they have Aaron Gordon who they got last year at the trade deadline. That, that did cost them, you know, RJ Hampton and some other players, but including Gary Harris. But if Aaron Gordon gets an opportunity to play all season at power forward. Without any questions of who's going to play at power forward. Is he going to have to play small forward? Is he going to have to shoot a lot of threes? Is he going to have to just stay put? So, a full season of Aaron Gordon, the you know having P.J. Dozier, Austin Rivers, Campazo, Monte Morris, and Will Barton at the guard positions until Jam- Jamal Murray comes back and the emergence of Michael Porter and then Jeff Green and Jermichael Green off the bench. They have a very good chance to be a a top three seed again and their first round pick nishan highland they said he's a scoring guard so they need somebody to score so that's what they want they don't care if he takes a lot of threes he turns the ball over he's not the greatest playmaker they're just going to need lots of scoring now the next team in their division that's really good is the jazz you're going to say to yourself huh why didn't i go with the jazz first because last year they finished with the best record I'm going to say that was a fluke, because Quinn Snyder, no matter if it's him, Jerry Sloan, they coach really well, and they play good defense, they they, they could play team basketball, and it's more of a you know, unity thing and getting everybody on the same page. That's why players like Joe Ingle succeed, and that's why Mike Conley on this team succeed, because Mike Conley, until he made one All-Star appearance in the last year, he was considered the most underrated player in all of basketball and he plays good enough defense at the point guard position, shoots the three pointer pretty well for a point guard facilitates and he can score. He finally made the first time as all-star team last year after being, you know, an all team second before. So having him to lead this team and having a guy like Joe Ingles who can grab rebounds and shoot threes and hustle off the off the bench, depending on how you do your starting lineup, and Bogdanovich shooting three pointers, and this this is the other Bogdanovich, this is Bojan Bogdanovich. Now you're gonna say, when am I gonna get to the actual best players? So, okay, here's the thing. Rudy Gobert, I will say this, he's probably the best defensive center in all the NBA. You know, you, he, Van Gobadabo, and, and Bede, they're probably the best defensive centers. And Rudy Gobert makes All-Star teams, and he's a very accomplished player internationally, but what Utah needs is they need a real number two, because he's not a real number two in terms of he can get the offensive scoring. Because there are some games where he barely has 10 points, but he has like 10, 12 rebounds. You don't have, they don't have a consistent second score. Mike Conley's a great, you know, facilitator role player. Jordan Clarkson, who won six Man of the year, has found his niche of being a backup combo guard. And I said Joe Ingles and Bogdan Bogdanovic are good role players. They don't really have a second star, so Donovan Mitchell's got to be the guy who scores, like, 30, 40, and, like, sometimes you have 50 points a night because of Gobert not scoring a lot of points, and you can't rely on Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, or Clarkson to give you 20 every night because they're role player. You also can't expect Mike Conley to do the same because that's not in his game to be a high high score. That's the reason why I don't think that they're going to work their way back to a top the top seed in the whole entire conference that's going to be difficult for them I still I still obviously think that they're going to be one of the top four or five seeds competing with the Suns and the Lakers and the Mavericks like those are the teams that they're going to be concluding with the Nuggets that it's not going to be guaranteed that they they have this in the draft they traded the first round pick to be further down in the draft but they ended up but they got lucky with this Jared Butler everybody's saying it there were some medical issues but he was a high rated star as a teenager so they say that he's a good guard, and for them, maybe he turns into that other scorer. But right now, Donovan Mitchell is pretty much doing everything by himself offensively. They said, oh, let's get like 35-year-old Rudy Gay. Let's get Hassan Whiteside, who keeps going from one team to, to the other after Miami disposed of him. Yeah, those are going to be really important things. And then getting Eric Pascal, he's a pretty good role player for the Warriors. But again, these are things that don't put him over the top. Now having Derek Favors and leave and you replace him with Eric Pasquale and Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay, you kind of came out on top there because then you get three veteran backups and you could say at least now that Rudy Gobert has somebody to back him up in Hassan Whiteside because the last couple of years he always had a good enough guy to actually back him up at center. I still think this Royce O'Neal dude is not starting material. I would actually start Eric Pasquale it's power forward every day or do a stretch four thing with Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles starting the lineup, or even Rudy Gay, but yeah, this team, if it weren't for like the coaching and the players like Ingles and Mike Conley and Clarkson fitting into the system really, really well, and Bogdanovich being a great shooter and Gobert playing his nasty defense down below, yeah, they would probably not be a playoff team, but that's kind of a count on on Quinn Snyder being the head coach of this entire team here. So yeah, they're not going to be the number one seed because Rudy Gay and Pasquale and Whiteside don't really do that much. Then you're like, okay, the next team in this division is the Trailblazers. I still think the Trailblazers are like similar to the Washington Wizards. The guards don't really work together, nor do they like each other. That's the issue that was in Washington with Wall and Beal. Here it is, McCollum and Lillard are both small guards, and it doesn't always work because then who's going to actually play defense and guard the better player and all the other stuff. And yeah, last year they had a sixth seed, but that was because the Lakers, you weren't really trying, the Warriors were injured, and it's, and the Rockets, because they didn't have James Harden, fell out. So that opened up a couple spots in the in the conference. But I don't think that they're the sixth best team. Yeah, so I was saying, McCollum is a 6'3 guard, and Damian Lillard is is a 6-2 guard. So you got a 6-2 guard and a 6-3 guard. It doesn't really work, and there's all this offseason where Lillard, it's said repeatedly he wants to play on his own, he doesn't want to join a super team, He doesn't want to do that, but he's going to waste his prime if... And if they don't do anything to help him because Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins, you name it, every big-time big man that he's had a center power for can't stay healthy. McCall himself will get hurt. They've had they've gone through so many small forwards because they either have been busts or they haven't been hurt, and then they had Mello play power forward as a stretch forward, and that was okay in a role, as a role player, but this is old Melo. This is not like the beginning of Melo's career. But they didn't have a, fir- a pick in the draft, but they, then they traded for Greg Brown. The, They're hoping to take he turn into goal, but the, that is, is, is slim, so their draft pick wasn't that helpful, and there were rumors that he would be traded this offseason, and... Yeah, it could still happen. He could still be in the Ben Simmons trade. He also could be traded to the you know the Nets for Kyrie Irving. That could be a possibility. Or they can trade his teammate, Eugene McCollum, and he can get Ben Simmons or somebody else. So that's where it's like, if Lillard gets traded, I don't know if they will be a playoff team. If they trade McCollum and get somebody pretty good in return, that will solidify them being a playoff team. And then they got themselves Norman Powell last year when they traded Gary Trent. And I feel like they, uh, they really overrated Gary Trent because nobody pretty much heard of this dude until he was traded to the, to the Raptors. Gary Trent, though, I mean, uh, Norman Powell, though, is a four guard, and they expect him to play small for it. So, again, going really small there. Now, then they expect Robert Covington, who was a great 3 and D in Philadelphia and Minnesota, to be their stretch four. So, so far, they're going with three small guards, and they're going with a stretch four. Along with Yusef Nurkic. Now, you can you play Zach Collins with Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller is perfect because he just comes in every day and does his job. No matter if they ask him to play center, power forward, or come off the bench. Because you know at some point, Yusef Nurkic, who hasn't been healthy ever in his career, that Cody Zeller is going to get plenty of minutes at center. Now, getting Tony Snell is good because then they get a lockdown defensive player. Ben McLemore has been a bust, and he's bounced from team to team. So he doesn't do that much. Anthony Simmons is a okay enough role player. Who's in the slam dunk contest. And Dennis Smith Jr. Once the Mavericks traded him to the Knicks, his stock went down. He had to go to the G League. If you know, I feel like if Lillard or McCollum gets traded, Dennis Smith Jr. will probably get playing time. I feel like he'll out even play Ben McLemore, but that could also take pressure off Lillard. Now, I think the best move they got they got Laird Nance Jr. Laird Nance Jr. is a great rebounder. He's pretty good at offensive rebounds. He puts he gets putbacks. He's good inside offensively, and he's a solid defensive player. I would start him at power forward and have Robert Covington actually start a small forward and have a guy like Norman Powell come off the bench because I don't think he's that great as a starter, and that's something that I would I would try to do. Now, they went and added you know, Marquise Chris, Patrick Patterson, and Quinn Cook in the offseason, and I'm like, okay, cool. None of those moves, obviously scare you. And obviously, Quinn Cook didn't make the team because they waived him and Mark and Patrick Patterson. So they basically waived three of the veterans they brought in. And as I'm saying, Cody Zeller is an improvement into health over Zach Collins. Doesn't mean he's more talented. Ben Mclemore's not an improvement over Mello. And Larry Nance Jr. is obviously a better than Derek Jones Jr. because he actually is a power forward. And then his canter that they lose his offensive abilities inside. So overall, until they give Lillard a new running mate or they get traded him, they're a playoff team based on solely on the merits of Damian Lillard. Because as good as Terry Stotts has been every single year, this is similar with Nate McMillan and every other coach in Portland over the years, no matter if it was Brandon Roy or Marcus Aldridge, they have talented players, they're good enough to make the playoffs, but then they just say, "Yeah, we really don't know, let's fire the coach. So Chauncey Billups... Former NBA player, champion player, all-star point guard like, coaching the big three. They think maybe him working with Lillard will be something that will keep him there. I don't really believe that is something that would keep somebody there. But overall, until Damian Lillard leaves the team, that is not a guaranteed playoff team. They're going to be in the play-in. And then the last two teams in this division are bad, the Timberwolves and the Thunder. One is bad because they keep trading all their players away for draft picks or taking on huge salaries and then dumping the player to get draft picks. All of that. Or the Timberwolves just, I don't know what it is. Now, they now have new ownership, and that new ownership includes Alex Rodriguez, and that's cool and everything, but I don't know if that's going to change everything. I don't, it doesn't matter who's in the front office. They fired Flip Saunders and Flip Saunders' son over the year. They had Kevin McHale. They had, they had Rick Adelman. They've had plenty of good enough coaches, and it just seems like it's more the person going out and getting the groceries for the Timberwolves because you can't tell me that a team that has supposedly one of the best talented young centers in the league, Carl Anthony Towns, who can shoot threes, and he can handle the ball like a point guard, that, oh, my God, this guy is so amazing. And D'Angelo Russler, a great scoring guard. And then you get the first overall pick in last year's draft, and Anthony Edwards, who's this explosive, talented player at the wing position, but he's not tall enough to be small forward, so the two guard. Like, you're saying to yourself, we got those really talented players. But guess what? We can't even um, compete in the Western Conference. We can't even be better than the Sacramento Kings, the Pelicans, or the Spurs. We're only better than the Thunder and the Rockets who are purposely trying to lose. So that's more on the ownership and the front office. You know, it doesn't matter who the heck the head coach is, because I said they've had plenty of people. So it's now A-Rod and Mark Lohr running the team, okay? Maybe that will make a difference, but I don't know it will, because it doesn't matter. Now they have this guy named... They don't have an actual GM right now because it says it's been vacant. They're trying to figure this thing out. That is not a good sign. Now, they're saying it's Jurasin Rosas, but that dude was fired. So, like, they don't have a, a current GM right now. And their head coach is Chris Finch. Nobody in the right mind is going to go, yeah, th- this Chris Finch guy, he's an amazing player. I am going to uh, be really excited about my Timberwolves... Stock. No, it's not something I'm excited about, okay? They didn't have a draft pick this year, so you can ignore that. They thought, okay, let's trade Ricky Rubio, who we originally had years ago, who's a, become a great defensive player, a great, a better three-point shooter, amazing facilitator. Let's trade in for Tarrui Prince, who's like a third-string small forward. Then let's go and waste their time in getting Patrick Beverley. You know, Patrick Beverley is good for a playoff team, which they're not, and let's give up the young talent of Jared Culver and a good backup center in Hernan Gomez. And as I said last year, they spent a lot of their money on keeping a guy like Malik Beasley. Who's gotten in trouble with the law and all these other things. Like, yeah, I'm really going to trust this guy. No. So, yeah, as I said you got D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards. And everybody when Anthony Edwards. I thought I was like, oh, cool. They can finally solve the issue that they don't have a small forward. No, they really can't because he's a two-guard because he's only six four. This Josh Okogie dude, there like there's no confidence that he's going to be that amazing. Malik Beasley is a guard. He's not a small forward, so that's what I'm saying with Teruri and Prince, though. They're listing this dude as a third stringer on this team. You give a Ricky Rubio for a third stringer, stupid. And then they got this guy named Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. None of these guys also scream like, ooh, I got a great power forward. So yeah, the Timberwolves, I don't care who their ownership is, I don't care who runs the front office, I don't care who's the head coach, because they keep having good coaches and they're getting rid of them. They have three really talented players, but they can't do absolutely nothing. And it's not about the conference, it's just there's something wrong with this Minnesota Timberwolves team. They only win the playoff once, and now it's because of Jimmy Butler being a great player. It was not because of Andrew Wiggins, who was, a, who was a bust, and it's not because of the Anthony Town. It was because of Jimmy Butler. Because this team also had Tom Thibodeau, like again, another good coach, and they don't know what the heck they're doing there. The Thunder, I can understand, you know, Scott Presti's philosophy. That is what he is doing. He's got a philosophy, and he's and he got this philosophy from being working with the Spurs. You you know you you get good scouting, international, second round picks, undrafted players. You do everything possible to make your team better. And this is the team that had Kevin Durant, James Harden, and, Kyrie, and, uh, and Russell Westbrook, and Serge Ibaka, and Jeff Green. And they had a lot of talent on this team. All that talent's pretty much gone. When Last year, when they got Al Horford, it was a salary dump, and they got like draft picks. This year, they were able to get rid of Al Horford and pick up Kemba Walker's contract in order to get a draft pick. Then they got a draft pick from the Jazz in order to get Derek Favors. So again, they're trying to get all these draft picks. It's not, officially, there are no point guards on this roster who are veterans. Like, last year they had a veteran at, on their roster, and that did not, you know, matter to them because they were like, yeah, we have a veteran point guard. We're actually going to play him instead of playing over there. So, this team, it's, it's all on Shea Gillis-Alexander. They gave him a contract extension. He's getting the money. It's all on him to lead this team. Lou Dort has become a very good defensive player, and that's it. Like, Josh Giddy, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby, none of these guys are like, oh my God, Trey Mann, Kendrick Williams, Alexei Pogashow, and Derek Favors and Mike Muscala are the only veterans, but I don't know how often they're going to play if they're all going to be about, let's continue to get these draft picks and figure it out. Now, because they are not going anywhere, they did all this thing here. So they get this, because of their they're purposely tanking, they got themselves the sixth overall pick this Josh Giddy do from Australia. They're hoping that he can be a good score in this league because it's going to be on Shane Gillis-Alexander to not just facilitate and not just score and lead this team. He's got to develop all this talent with, you know, that's in front of him. Then they got this Trey Man who would definitely be his backup. And then they got this Jeremiah Robinson Earl, you know, and they got Aaron Wiggins. Okay, so pretty much this Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's, going to be third stringer. Trey Mann's going to be a backup. It's only this Josh Giddy dude who's going to have some potential. So overall, I feel like Derek Favors and Mike Muscala could be just shipped out for draft picks and all this other stuff, and they're going to purposely lose again. That's really what it is. is because they're not trying to to win. That's just not what they're trying to do. So that is why I'm like, okay, at least I know what the strategy is in Oklahoma City. I don't get it in, in the Minnesota Timberwolves. The next team is the Mavericks. The Mavericks are in a winner division. They're going to have a top-five seed again. It's only because they have Luka Dantich, who I think is one of the ten best players in the NBA. He can win MVP if they get up to like a top-three seed, and that is certainly one of my favorite players, if not my favorite. Now, the problem is, as I mentioned with Utah, with Donovan Mitchell, that's an issue where they don't have really an amazing second star to help them kick all the load off the Nuggets have two stars in Bal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but with Murray out, it's going to be on, you know, Porter Jr. So this is where it's like, okay, Luka Doncic, we want He's not really a point guard. Like you list him on the depth chart as a point guard, but he's six seven, so he's really the small forward and like or the two guard and but will do the facilitating and a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. Who I'm gonna say he played incredible last year. He's been playing pretty good. We all know he's in a deadly three-point shooter like his father. He can score, but he is not a, a star or second scorer on a team. That's where it falls on Porzingis. Porzingis, the dude can't stay healthy. He doesn't play great defense. Now, I'm thinking the dude is seven foot six, pretty much. Like If I were them, I would play him every single day, or 7'3", every single day at center. Because Dwight Powell is not a center. Maxi Kleber is not an everyday player. And Willie Cauley-Stein never stays healthy. And Dorian Smith, Finley Smith, is a role player. And Bobon. I want. I don't know why they're not playing Bobon every single day. That makes absolutely no f- sense. Bobon is super talented. If you saw him when he plays overseas, when you saw him with the Spurs. Yeah, because that's the thing. Dwight Powell is a nice role player at 6'10". Maxi Kleber is a nice role player. But you don't need nice role players. You want to win. So if you want to win, I would play... Prazingis at center, because he's over 7'3". He may not be able to guard all the centers, but he would be taller than a lot of centers because some teams are going with stretch fours and stretch fives. He would just absolutely destroy them. And you can have Willie Cauley-Stein or Maxi Clever, Dwight Powell guard the tougher player. I would rather them try to see if Josh Green or Jalen Brunson can be in the starting lineup and play them alongside Tim Hardaway and Luka Doncic Jr., because I don't really trust his Dorian... Finley Smith is an everyday player. They lose James Johnson, but get Reggie Bullock for toughness off the bench. That's nice and dandy. And they still got Trey Burke and Frank Nitalita. But Frank Nitalita is a Knicks bust a point guard. So, yeah, let's have a really Knicks team of having, you know, Trey, uh, having, excuse me, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., Chris Zingis, Frank Nitalita. Like, there's are just so many dudes who are used to play for the Knicks. That's where I'm just like, I don't really trust this whole entire thing. And then if you look at it, Trey Burke also played for the Knicks. So it's like mostly a Knicks team here, which I just don't understand. And that's what they think that uh it is. And then if you look at NBAESPN.com, they list Dorian Smith as a power forward. I don't get I don't get that. But yeah, either play Boban as center or play as center. Now, Rick Carlisle, I'm gonna say he's a good coach. I'm not taking any sides, but apparently it wasn't working with with Przingis. So they went and hired Jason Kidd, former Mavericks basketball player, former Nets and Bucks head coach, and Giannis like working with him. The Nets players actually like working him. He worked under on the Le- on the LeBron's you know coaching staff in LA. I don't know if it's gonna work, but hopefully he can, he, can, he can untap all that eliteness out of uh, Luka Dante. Maybe he becomes a better shooter, better facilitator, better free throw shooter, better defender. I don't know what it is, but hopefully with all that it will turn into a better team. So despite not having a real number two, not really being sold on their small four situation and um, their center situation, unless you move for Zynga, it's still going to be because Luka Doncic is so talented and they have good enough role players that this team overall will be a playoff team. I still think they're a number five seed, but I feel like they could be way better if they got somebody else to help out Luka Doncic because he can't do it all by himself. And then the next team in that division is the Grizzlies. I feel like the Grizzlies are one of those teams where it's like, okay, I think they could pl- be in the playing game and be 7 or 8. Because last year, they were the A seed, okay? During the bubble year, they were also like the Ace seed. But, but then because they did the play-in thing, they lost out and became the nine seed because they lost to the Chill That's not going to happen this year because, again, there's all this chaos with the Trailblazers and what's going on there. Then I feel like Memphis will slide a little past them a better record going into it, but they're still going to do the play in game. And that is more because. That was more because John Morant is just only going to get better every single year. What oh, I forgot to mention, the Mavericks said uh, lost JJ Reddick, who announced his retirement, so ha- happy retirement to JJ Reddick. Now, the Grizzlies, as I'm saying, is when you have John Morant who's just every day becoming a better player, similar a little bit to Russell Westbrook and some other explosive point cards. Yeah, he missed some time due to injury last year because he's always trying to go up there and dunk the ball really hard. If, if he is a little bit more controlled and stays healthy, develops his uh, playmaking games better, his defense, he could always take that next step. That is, that's the thing. I feel like basically he is one of these great up-and-coming players. And that's not going to change. He's going to still be that player. Now, I'm a little bit... Don't get how Jaron Jackson Jr., when they drafted him, they were like, oh, yeah, this dude is going to be our center. But then they played Jonas, Giannis Valanciunas way more than him. And he's 6'11". So he's essentially a 7-footer. So playing him a power forward in today's game is stupid, especially when he had Valanciunas. Now, they traded Valanciunas and got Steven Adams. I thought Valanciunas fit their team really, really well, and they really liked him. I don't get the Steven Adams thing because... Valanchunas has been more of a scorer in the league than Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams is more of a defensive-only player. Not the greatest, you know, scorer. But that's where I would like to see Jaron Jackson Jr. be the starter. And then try to do a stretch-four thing where Kyle Anderson plays stretch-four or this Brandon Clark, who used to be also somebody that they would start... He could be a stretch forward because he's six-eighty. He's not like he's 6'6", or something. Or Desmond Bain, who they have listed as their everyday small forward. You know, they they could mix and match that sort of thing. Now, in the draft, they drafted the Zaire Dyer Williams dude because they had a horrible year last year he dropped. So they did trade up to 8'10", before the draft, and they found the guy they wanted. And he's supposed to be this great scorer. So maybe this Zaire Williams dude could potentially be the stretch four because he is six eight also. So between him and you know Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson, I would like to see some stretch four out of there, some shooting and some scoring to space the floor for John Moran. Cause unless Jaron Jackson Jr. can get a consistent jump shot, let alone a, you know, a three point shot that would be difficult. That's where I'm just like, I don't know what's going on there. Dylan Brooks. And DeAnthony Melton, they're okay starting two guards. And Tyus Jones is okay as a backup in this league. But I really want to see what they got Jared Culver from From Minnesota. If he can really step up and maybe he could take the starting two guard away from Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain. You know, the starting wing players. But maybe, just maybe Jared Culver because he's six, Could maybe play some minutes at small 4'2". But that's where I'm getting at. And yeah, that's why, like, after Jaron Jackson, Jr. Steven Adams, unless you do the stretch four thing with Anderson or Clark, I'm not sold on Xavier Tillman Sr. or their first round pick, Santani Aldemont, because, like, I don't think this dude's going to play any game, any minutes. And, uh. Basically, this team runs on John Morant, and he'll he's definitely going to take them as far as they want to go, and. Tyler Jenkins if that's the name of the the coach of this team He's been a very good uh T- Taylor Jenkins. He's been a very good head coach of this team. So I kind of feel like he's going to push the ship in the right direction. But as I'm seeing on the depth charts, I'm not like buying their their lineups in terms of forward and center. Now the other team in this division is the Spurs. The Spurs had this like 27-year record of, oh my God, we're gonna make the playoffs every single year. No, and it's never gonna change. Well, they didn't make it last year, and they also did not make it during the the, lock, the during the bubble season as well. So both those years they did not make the playoffs. So they're on a two-year stretch of not making the playoffs. It's going to become three. Greg Popovich may want to retire. You know, I know because he's and a focus on Team USA coaching full-time. You can always be recruited to go somewhere else and coach for a couple years if a team is really close and got the stars. But that's where I feel like at some point he's going to say, I either don't want to be the head coach and I just want to do front office work or I just want to focus on Team USA or go somewhere else. Because he still – he doesn't have Marcus Aldridge there was a buyout they didn't really trade get that much value for him they did a sign and trade with the bulls for Demar rosen but not really that much came back in that and this team is really really young it's the fact that deontay murray and Derek white both both of them when they were drafted i thought okay they're point guards of this team they patty mills has been on the team for years a veteran he walked out that door so yeah both these guards are six four so they both are big enough point guards in one place small forward. And then they drafted Lisolani Walker, dude, who's is also six four. So they're really set there at guard. And they have Trey Jones, not to be confused with Tyus Jones, who's on Minnesota their brothers. And they went and brought in Brian Forbes. So right there and then They're like set on guard. So that's when you're looking at like why did they in the draft the Spurs draft this Joshua Primo and this Joe Wieskamp? But obviously as I said about pristee trying to figure out how to draft well like the way the Spurs do but they have a crowd backcourt so obviously this looks literally stupid unless they're going to trade somebody because there's no way that any of these guys are going to get playing time if there's so many of them on this team that's where it makes no sense they went and brought in Thaddeus Young and Doug McDermott maybe on this team because they don't have a set small forward even though Doug McDermott's more of a two guard he's going to get minutes starting because they want his three-point shooting. And then you can definitely see Thaddeus Young, who's been a while since he played small forward, get an opportunity to play there. And this Keldon Johnson dude is because one of these players can break out and become a great player because they helped out with his team select this year. Keldon Johnson, though, that dude is, has the potential, obviously, to be a much better player than most people on this roster, even though people are saying that White and Deontay Murray are the best player, And they still got this Jacob Patel dude, who nobody's ever heard of as their center and Drew Eubanks as their backup center. Again, he's only 6'9", so I don't really like feel like, oh my God, this is amazing. That is where I'm not a huge fan of this team. Being a playoff team, they could definitely drop even further down. And supposedly they have Zach Collins on the roster. This dude never stays healthy. He's but he's only twenty three years old. Now if he's healthy and he can be on this roster, maybe he'll take away minutes from this but you know, this potel dude or PLT dude and he'll take away minutes. But that's that's the problem with the Spurs. They're now on a streak of being losing and they're not gonna get better. And um, it may be time for Greg Popovich to retire, switch teams are moving to a whole entire different role completely. And they also waived Camino, which made no sense because he's also could play small forward, and they don't really have a small forward. Going on to the next team is the Pelicans. You're like, wow, the Pelicans are going to be worse than the Spurs. I'm like, yeah, they're definitely going to be worse than the Spurs. They're not going to be a guaranteed playoff team. They may not, they're not going to even be in that play-in thing. Okay, you're going to be like, why not? They have Zion Williamson. The dude is an undersized power forward. He is. Way too big to be small forward. Doesn't hit three-pointers or jump shots that well. He's only been high-flying dunker and inside the paint. Like, until he gets a, a jump shot, a mid-range jump shot, and he gets, he can develop a better free-throw shooting and, and at least tempting more threes, like, you know, the way that Giannis has become a player, then maybe, just maybe. Because here's the thing. You want him to play power forward because... He has, no out, he has no perimeter game, no jump shot. He's more of an inside player. But as I said, he's not that tall. So you're looking at yourself like, well, he's not that tall. How's he going to guard a lot of players in this league? That's the problem is that the hope is, okay, so Alvin Gentry wasn't the coach. One year, Stan Van Gundy made absolutely no sense. If, you, if Stan Van Gundy was not the option, why hire him in the first place? I mean, Zion's a six-seven dude. Now, we say Charles Barkley did it, and he was like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, yeah, but that's different. Charles Barkley was big, and he played in tough battles and rebounding. He was one of the greatest rebounders ever. Like, I don't even know if Zion's an amazing rebounder at this point. So, it's just, I don't know if Willie Green is going to be the dude that locks the answer, but Willie Green is a longtime NBA veteran. He's a longtime assistant head coach in this league. That is where I, I feel like maybe he finally gets the opportunity here to do it. Then the next best player is Brandon Ingram. Problem with, with him and Zion is both can't stay healthy. And you may want to play like Brandon Ingram at power forward because he is so tall and he's so lanky that he can just by accident block shots. But again, being 6'8", is just one more inch taller than Zion. Then he's a great three-point shooter, a great shooter and scorer. And with those two guys, you think to be a playoff team. But if DeAngelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns Guys, a point guard and a center, they can't make the playoffs, and this team's an issue. Now, they still have Josh Hart. He's a good role player. And they got Tomas Dorensky and Garrett Temple in the Lonzo Ball sign and trade. The thing about Garrett Temple is he's a prototypical great backup point guard and can shoot the three. Tomas Dorensky is a great ball handler, and he is... And he hits a consistent three, but he's six seven, so he's more of a point forward. So you got, but they're both kind of backups. This Nikhil Alexander Walker, he he's going to be the everyday two guard, which I kind of like. Okay, if Josh Hart and Garrett Temple are more of like role players, then okay. But that's where I'm like, okay, maybe. You start Tomas Sidorenski and see what happens there because he's a good ball handler. And then they say goodbye to Steven Adams, but as I'm looking at this team, they also got Willie Hernan Gomez. Willie Hernan Gomez is a good second or third string backup big man if you're a playoff team. It doesn't really make sense because you would want to see, I feel like when Jackson Hayes plays center, he can run down the court, he can shoot jump shots maybe spread the floor, and he's good with this up and down pace. I feel like Giannis Tunis may have blocked up the paint. They think Willie Hernan Gomez because Zion will be in there. So that's why Jackson Hayes can stay a little bit outside. But at least with you know, Giannis Valanciunas, he's a much better scorer than Steven Adams was. Now, in the draft this year, they drafted at the 40-year-old pick, Jared Butler. Wait, no, no, no. Not my bad. That That was with the Jazz. The Pelicans drafted Trey Murphy and Herbert Jones. They needed some shooting and defense around Zion. That's what they did. So Bert Murphy is a good 3 and D who should be definitely able to get an opportunity to take away minutes from Nikhil Alexander-Walker because then he can actually, you know, do the 3 and D. And the Jones guy should be able to send from day one. I just don't know how many minutes he's actually going to get. Now, as losing Lonzo Ball means you lost your, your facilitator, the guy who leads the ball down the court. He sets up the offense, and he became a very good perimeter defender and improved his three. He also lost Eric Bledsoe off the bench, but getting a guy like Tomasz Derenski and Garrett Temple kind of offsets that loss. And um, and I was wrong saying that Josh John- that James Johnson was on the Mavericks. He was last year. But he was on the Pelicans, so they lost that toughness there. But basically, to replace Lonzo Ball, they said this this will be the key. Because I don't know if Willie Green is going to have Zion Williamson being a point four and have the ball in his hand. Or will he want somebody to get it into him in the paint or have Ingram hold on to the ball. It will be interesting to figure that out. But at the end of the day... They went and got Devontae Graham and I feel like they got they won that they won that trade because Devontae Graham when he was on the the the, the Hornets everybody's like who is this dude? People didn't know this but this dude his a second round pick was so good for the horn uh, for the for the for the Hornets even though this team wasn't that great because he was literally drafted by the Hawks and he was traded over there and he played really really well and he was basically their best player. And he was a real point guard. But then they go got and Terry Rogier and spent a lot of money on him a couple of years ago. And Rogier is short. So he had to play point guard. And Graham had to play shooting guard. Because Graham is, even though he's one, Rogier is not a great defender. Problem is, they then go and drop Lonzo Ball. So he's still then got to play two guard even though he's small. So it's been a couple of years because of La- LaMelo Ball not Alonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, and Terry Rozier, that this dude is playing a lot of guard, like two-guard, small forward. He hasn't really played any point guard. So the fact that he hasn't been point guard in a couple of years kind of goes like, okay, unless Zion or Brandon Ingram or his point forward or Tomasa Sadorinsky or Garrett Temple is setting up the offense, I'm a little bit worried that to replace Alonzo Ball as a great facilitator and ball handler, you get a guy who hasn't been a point guard in, like, a couple of seasons. That's that's really the problem there. So even though they got this talent, new head coach, losing Lonzo Ball, figuring out who's the best center, who's the best two-guard to play in the lineup. That's, and as and I said, they did some good moves in the draft, but none of this really is like, oh, my God. Now we get the Rockets there. The Rockets, man. The Rockets last year traded James Harden, and they traded West Westbrook before the season started, So and they, they basically waved the white flag. They got the Cavaliers gave up on on one of their young players in Kevin Porter Jr. and said, you know what, you can have him the Rockets. And both the Rockets head coach and uh, Stephen Silas, whose father is you know, whose father is you know the famous coach Paul Silas and Cavaliers head coach. Cavaliers head coach A. Bickerstaff, his father has also been a head coach, and they and like they know each other, they're friends, so it was like okay, cool, let's get let's let's figure this out where we can actually help this dude and figure this out. So basically, they got this young dude Kevin Porter Jr. He is not that old, he is, and he's only been in the league for a couple of years. He's only 21 years old, so the Rockets basically get a full season to figure out what they want to do with him. Then they got the first pick in the draft, even though they were not the worst team in the league. I still feel like this year they're definitely going to be one of the two worst teams in the league, so they'll have a high chance. So yeah, last year they finished with the worst record in terms of the Western Conference with 17 wins. And they had themselves the first pick in the draft, or the second pick in the draft. The Pistons were 20-52, and so they were a little bit better. But they went and got this Jalen Green, Everybody was saying, "Oh my God, this dude is going to be amazing," but we're not sure. Maybe Cade Cunningham is better. So, uh, excuse me, they had a second pick. They look at the big space here. They got Jalen Green, who was in that G League team. With all the trades they made to get rid of players, they also had the second pick. They also had a second first-round pick, and a, they had four. They drafted Alperin Sagun from Turkey as center, and this Uzman Garbuba from Spain, and Josh Christopher from Arizona State. So there's a high upside in these prospects from overseas. They all have upside and they're perfect for a team that's rebuilding because you can just throw in players. Like for them, this Sangroon player, he could definitely be the backup center on this team. This Garuba dude, I don't know if he's going to play at any point or this Christopher is going to play at this point. Then, they went and got Daniel Tice, who I wish the Bulls had held on to when he became a free agent. But he's going to basically replace Kelly Olenek, a nice backup big man who just hustles and plays defense. They don't have Avery Bradley anymore, but when you re-sign David Nabawa and you still have J.J. Augustine, who's been a great veteran backup point guard, and Eric Gordon, has been a great scorer in this league, and this Daniel House has become a nice utility player, a nice role player, that's not a bad team. Then Christian Wood, he did miss some time last year, but he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. So getting Daniel Tice to help Christian Wood down low and Kenyon Martin, that's not a bad team. Main three front uh, front court, and I don't get the whole Eric Gordon starting at small forward, but maybe that's because this Jason Tate and Daniel House Jr. they're probably not good enough to start. But Eric Gordon, I remember when he first came into the league, he was a, sh- a combo shooting guard, a point guard. He's not a small forward, but they may do what the Thunder do they may trade DJ Augenstein, they may trade even Daniel House Jr. probably Eric Gordon to a team that needs to score. And the will probably trade Daniel Tice so that they can get continue to make you know strides here. So Steven Silas, he's got a long way to go with this team. And this team is going to be another year in the lottery. So having some veterans will make it a lot better. Now, I was hoping that Dante Exum would make this team. But of course, they cut him right now with all the cuts before the season. So that's not good for him. Now, the, the last five teams were on the Pacific Division are the Lakers, okay? They won it two years ago, the Suns. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year. The Warriors had that whole entire big three. The Clippers have been a playoff team, even when they had nobody, and then they've had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George the last two years. And then the Kings are like the disaster of the division. So with the Lakers, they last year did not have a top-five record because Anthony Davis, you know, I don't know if it was... uh, Championship, you know, hangover or whatever it was, but they finished the seventh record. They just, you know, they had to fight their way through, you know, those playing games and things like that. I mean, they had, they fought their way to not be in the playing games because they do it with the eight, nine, and ten seed, So it was like, okay. So like LeBron's probably like mad at Anthony Davis. Like, dude, you gotta, you gotta commit to your body. You gotta put in all the effort, and you gotta try to not get hurt. You know, try to bit you know work out and put your body to the point where you can handle all these minor injuries here there and there because without Anthony Davis LeBron is just looks older and older and older and it's one thing when he was younger that he can lead a team like this but even when he was on the Lakers and they had didn't have Anthony Davis or anybody they didn't make the playoffs that year he's 36 years old man he's about to be 37 years old when he has his birthday this year so that's where it's like you need a younger player like Anthony Davis, to actually show up and and be something, okay? So then they said, well, we, Dennis Schroeder turned down all that money, so, you know, eh, we're not going to worry about him. So they go and think, you know what? LeBron James really likes Russell Westbrook. He's a flashy name. He used to play at UCLA. Let's go get Russell Westbrook, who's considered one of the worst statistical three-point shooters ever in NBA history for uh, however many three-point shots he takes. He is a horrendous three-point shooter. You know he's still pretty explosive, and he gets a lot of rebounds, and he's all about triple doubles and going way past Oscar Robinson's record per season, per game, what he averages, and all time because he's hunting for the rebound. He is trying to get the rebound away from the big man, which is why in Houston they got rid- they got they moved away from the center so he could be the center and get all the rebounds. And he still can facilitate. He still gets steal, but he's chasing the triple re triple double. He can't shoot threes. And he's making so much money because when he signed that extension with Oklahoma City, that the Rockets picked it up for one year or so, and then Washington picked it up. That the Lakers' salaries embedded on three players only: 30, almost 37-year-old LeBron James, worst three-point shooter ever statistically, in Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis, who's always never staying healthy. So they have to figure out what are we going to do to fix this team. Well, they go out and sign Carmelo Anthony because there's been rumors for years when Melo was cut by the Rock by the Thunder. And the Rockets and he before he even went to Portland, like, where is he gonna go, Carmel Anthony? Well, he's gonna he join his buddy LeBron in LA. Well that's true. Now they don't really have an amazing talent at small fourth, that's LeBron. But the way that they have it set up, they're gonna have LeBron play stretch four, which I don't really agree. I don't want LeBron inside down low, banging with other, you know, power forwards and centers. But also a lot of teams on the other end play a lot of stretch fours, like I mentioned, or stretch five, so he's not always doing it. But yeah, they're going to have him and Mello basically play that, that, that stretch four. So it's small forward. they lost Katavikava Pope, one of the best three and D's in the league, and they traded Kyle Kuzma, who they kept over Clarkson, and they kept over D'Angelo Russell and Alonzo Ball and Julius Randle and Josh Hart. That's who they decided to keep over, and he never really hasn't lived up to the potential. Now he's gone, so they don't get scoring there. And that's where I'm like, LeBron and Mello can get the scoring at small forward. And, but they bring back Ken Bazemore, who was on this team before, and they got, still got Taylor Horton Tucker, a young player. So between the two of them, they're hoping they get some three and D play out of them. They, you know, Andre Drummond, who they got last year, he left in he left in free agency. They traded Montrose Harrell, so they don't have that big man. Marquise Morris let them in free agency. Jared Dudley retired. And then, as I said, Schroeder, they turned down the deal. They didn't want to resign him. They got Westbrook and Caruso. They couldn't afford him because they, they were spending all this money on, you know, Westbrook. They So they go out and get Dwight Howard, who didn't cost a lot of money, and DeAndre Jordan. So you got DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard. That's who they're basically thinking is going to replace Marquise Morris and Andre Drummond and Montrose Hill. Okay, cool. Dwight Howard, when he was a backup on this team, they won a championship a couple years ago. DeAndre Jordan has been a good role player. So you know what? It's not bad. It's just... Howard is not the same player used to be. Andrew Jordan's not the player he used to be. They also got Trevor Reza, but he just got hurt with his finger or his hand. So that's the guy who you would think would be the actual starting small forward, but he got hurt. So that is not good because he will he's at least out for two months. That doesn't help him there. And they brought in Rajon Rondo, who basically had the Clippers sign him. I mean the Rockets, I mean the Hawks sign him. Trade him to the Clippers, then he becomes a free agent, then goes to the LeBron. So, at some point, I know Westbrook will probably miss some time, so you're going to see a lot of rage on Rondo. Now you're like, well, they got all these old guys, their average age is over like 32, 33. So what are they going to do for keeping the legs fresh? Well, Taylor Horton Tucker is going to definitely play a lot of minutes at the wing spot, and if and they did draft this Joel Ayayi doing the draft but I don't know if he's going to actually play any games. So the player they signed two of them. They signed Malik Monk, who's an undersized guard in Charlotte who never really worked out but he turned himself into a good backup and Kendrick Nunn, the undrafted player like he, he became a great player for the the Heat. So he and Malik Monk, you're not going to expect the two of them to to every single night score 20. No, you, you expect LeBron, Westbrook, you know, AD, maybe Melo, maybe, you know, when Trevor Reza comes back between him and Kent Bazemore and the fact that Wayne Ellington, who they offer have to mention, is a great three-point shooter. Like, those guys will hit those shots. But if one or two nights in a month, Malik Muntz goes off for 20 or Kendrick Nunn goes off for 20, maybe 30 points. That will help them throughout the season as they try to rest some of their older players so that they're ready for the playoffs. That's where they'll come in handy is for that in particular. And I think like the Lakers are going to be like, yo, we screwed up last year. It's our year to be a top three seed and not a top seven seed. And they're going to definitely have a good chance of getting back to NBA Bay Final and all of that. The next team is the Suns. You're like, okay, the Suns, you are going to talk about them. Right away, the Suns did finish second, but the reason why like them and the Jazz finished top two is because the way the Lakers played. Okay, Clay Thompson really hurt the Warriors' season. So and then the Rockets without James Harden that really screwed that pushed them down. So that opened up a few spots at the top of the conference that were always occupied. So that is where it's like the Suns are not going to be the second best team in the West. They're not going to get to the conference finals and they're not going to get to the NBA finals. Because they got to go through LeBron James, okay? If they they got to go through LeBron James, and that's where I'm just like, I don't think that at any point that they're going to do that. And I don't think they're going to get past the Nuggets. I don't think the, the Jazz are giving problems. The Mavericks will give them problems. So that is where it's like, yep. Sorry to the Suns. It was a nice season last year. You had your opportunity. And you should have won it. And they don't have a draft pick. And what they got this year was smart move. They brought in Landry Shamet, who's a great three and D. Alfred Payton's become a good back- backup point guard. And Chandler Hutcherson, when healthy, he was pretty good on the Bulls. And Javale is a good backup center. Yeah, they lost Torrey Craig and each one more and Galloway. But having Landry Shamet, and Alfred Payton kind of just takes that place. But the biggest thing was they re-signed Chris Paul even though he's was going to be there until he's 40. Cameron Payne, who somehow all of a sudden became a real NBA player last year when Chris Paul was out in the playoffs. And Kameniski, Frank the Tank, is a good stretch four. And they kept Doolinator as a great role player. They just signed Bridges to a max extension, and they're not sure about DeAndre Ayton. But here's the thing. I'm not really sold that that Cameron Payne is actually going to be the same player he is. But if they want to pay him all that money, you can go right ahead. And at the same time, it's just good depth on this team that... I feel like Alfred Payton is a much better player, and Landry Shamit's a better player... But that's, that's to be seen. And um, as good as Monty Williams, maybe this year they'll give him coach of the year, and Chris Paul is still going to be that leader, that facilitator. He's still going to play defense, shoot three. This team is Devin Booker's team because he's always been a great scorer, but when you have Chris Paul's presence, Mikael Bridges just breaks on and becomes a better player. He could be most approved player of the year. DeAndre Aiton broke out in the playoffs. Like The question is, can he sustain that? Because it started to look like DeAndre Aiton was a bust. It looked like he wasn't actually going to be the player that we all thought he was going to be. But, of course, he played really well in the playoffs. So between him playing well in the playoffs, Mikael Bridges playing well in the playoffs, and Cameron Payne exploded, and this is why the team went far. But I can't rely on Cameron Payne to play that way because the Bulls got him and then never played him because they realized he's not an everyday player. Okay? Mikael Bridges, he has to take that leap for a full season. Same thing with John J. Aiton. And I'm still not selling on this team that has Jay Crowder as a stretch four when the dude is m- m- more is more of a wing player. He is not that tall... He's not that big. He's only 6'6". He's not Draymond Green's toughness there, but he is toughness. Now, Green and JaVale McGee is good because they need a veteran backup center. I would rather start Frank the Tank at small forward and pretty much let him be out there as a stretch four because he's got the height. The one thing I don't understand is when I wrote my preview, I did not notice this because they didn't even have him on the depth charts. In the starting power forward, the backup power forward, the third string, they have him all the way at fifth string center, which made no sense. Dario Sarik, between when he was on Philadelphia and he was on Minneapolis, great three-point shooter, like a Tony jet type of thing where he's really tall and he, want, he can play power forward or center, but he's really a best suited small forward. So I don't get this. I don't understand how Dario Sarik is listed at the fifth center on this depth chart. Did he fall so out of place last year when he was hurt? That he's not on this team. No, Darius Sarik should be starting every day. And Jay Crowder should be a bench player. Because I want him, Landry Shaman, and Cam Johnson, JaVale McGee, and Abdul Nader coming off the bench. And JaVale McGee. Like JaVale McGee should come off the bench as the center. Kaminiski at power forward. And you start Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, and Abdul Nader, and, and Landry Shaman off the bench. And maybe Alfred Payton. So, based on the bench they have, if you're listing Daru Sarik and Frank Kaminiski as third or fourth string players, which I don't believe they are. That is where I feel like they're still going to be a playoff team. They just missed their chance of being in the NBA Finals and winning again. So they'll be in a top 5 seed. They're just not guaranteed. And uh, I mentioned this Chandler Hutcherson player because I thought the two they signed in the... Well, they signed him to a two-way deal. So that again, there's more depth for this team. The next team in that division that is the Warriors. We're gonna say this again for the second straight year. When Clay Thompson comes back, because when Clay Thompson's there, you just don't have a great defensive player. You have one of the best three point shooters ever. He's not a high fire, super explosive athleticism. So the injury to his like Achilles is not gonna be like, oh my God, it's gonna be bad. Now if he and Steph Curry are your starting backcourt, that is an amazing backcourt. That's 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 one of the best backcourts in the NBA. Okay, and if Andrew Wiggins becomes your fourth best player, it depends on how high you think of Draymond Green. If he's the same player, you know he used to be, and it all depends how you think of James Wiseman. Because last year he got hurt, it wasn't the best season for him. Steve Kerr's got to do a better job of coaching up James Wiseman because there were plenty of teams last year that could have drafted James Wiseman, and he would have been a great role for their team, and he would have filled in nicely as a team center. They got to get him more involved into that. That's where that's where the question is, is between him and Wiggins, who's the fourth best player on the court. They still got Kevon Looney. They went inside this Nemanja Belisha dude, who who could probably come in and back up Draymond Green in a way where he will. He's definitely a great shooter, so he could be that stretch four that they really need. They brought in Otto Porter Jr. who's become who's an OK 3 and D guy. The question is, can Otto Porter ever stay healthy? Because he'd be backing up Andrew Wiggins, and if he outplays Andrew Wiggins, that works out in their favor that they get two players that are really hustling and trying to make it out there with what they're doing there. Now, until Clay Thompson comes back, they are starting just Jordan Poole player, and Andrew Godala is listed as the backup two-guard. That's weird. Andre Godala has always been a small forward who has played some power forward and some two-guard in this league. That's where it's like, okay, Jordan Poole, on the other hand, he's a nice young you know, 22-year-old player, but that is where you wanna, you maybe move Wiggins to two-guard and you start Andre Godala out of order. They drafted this John and Kaminga dude in the draft. He could actually start, and you can alongside Wiggins, which would be interesting. And they also drafted this Moses Moody dude, who's also like a wing player. So they drafted two wing players, which is good because I don't know how good J. M. Green still is, how good Wiggins actually is, if he's going to get vaccinated or not. But then he did, and you know when Clay Thompson's coming back. So I just think that uh, Steve Kerr's got to do a better job of coaching up James Wiseman and maybe start. Iguodala or Otto Porter Jr. or this Nemanja dude instead until Klay Thompson comes back and actually start James Wyatt and actually get, a, actually get things out of him. Because no matter what, even without Klay Thompson for most of the years, I still think the Warriors will get the 6th or maybe 7th seed. They're really going to be fighting it off with the Grizzlies and the Chillbladers and the Clippers. But they, they're they definitely, with the two first-round picks they made, bringing back Iguodala, bringing in Porter and Bazikia and... Is this this going to be just a better team than last year? Now, the next team is the Clippers. You're like, why am I not talking about the Clippers right away? And why do I have them on my website listed as the ninth best team in the West? That is because Kawhi Leonard signed this long-term extension deal. But guess what? He's probably not going to play the whole entire season. So it's going to be a lost year for the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. So without Kawhi Leonard, do you really think that Paul George... who barely barely made the playoffs when he was in Indiana, but he had had somewhat of a Danny Green's career, and they had, you know, Miles Turner when he was really young, or they had, you know, Roy Hibbert, and they had David West, and they had some other players. And, um... Oh, I, I forgot to mention that they lost Kelly Oubre, the Warrior... So that's why I get Andre Godal and or Porter because so they need a small forward. Same thing with Kent Bazemore. I still don't understand the Eric Pascal trade because then, as I said, they had a really – he was a nice backup power forward for this team. That's where it makes no sense. So, yeah, going back to, like, the Clippers, it's like when Paul George made the playoffs, that was A, the Eastern Conference. B, Roy Hibbert or David West or Miles Turner or Danny Green, whoever else was surrounding him on those teams were great support, you know, because some of them could have been all-stars. This, though, it's like, I don't get it. The Clippers think that they're going to be a top-four seed. That's not going to happen because, you know, Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe, they're both nice point guards in this league and start on teams or be the backup in certain leagues, and Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, they're okay backup guards. Justice Winslow is a nice backup wing, you know, player like a small forward, two-guard even at stretch four. Nicholas Butum has been a nice, sturdy small forward in this league, Occasionally playing some two-guard and power forward, but he's not—he's more of a wing player, not a power forward. Thinking of Justice Winslow. I don't get how they have Winslow as the third-string point guard. That makes absolutely no sense on this roster. But yeah, when Patrick Beverly is traded and Rajon Rondo is left, some of these moves are not that amazing, okay? Evikia Zubak, I will say this. He's a very good underrated center. Don't know why the Lakers gave up on him. He's good. Serge Ibaka went healthy. 'Cause they know they he's gonna be good and he's gonna be important. Backing up at center, starting at power forward some games, cause he he should be in the mix of power forward, not Nicholas Batum or Justin Winslow. Marcus Moore senior's got good toughness. But yeah, he's he's just a good role player. And I it just it just seems like when they did draft, they drafted three wing players. So that's why they went in and got Kian Ke- Johnson, Jason Preston, and Brandon Brandon Boston Junior. Like all these dudes are going to be like the fourth and fifth strings players because if you have Jackson and Bledsoe both starting, which I think is stupid, you should start Luke Kennard or Terrence Mann at two guard. Or, here's a novel idea, start Paul George at two guard because he has started at two guard in his career and play Nicholas Batum or Justice Winslow at small forward. I don't know. There's a possibility starting Winslow or Batum at small forward with Paul George at two guard or start Mann or Canard at two guard and Bledsoe come on the bench because why do you need to start two point guards? There's no point in starting two point guards when you don't have a backup point guard. One of them is a backup point guard. So yeah, I don't think Paul George in a conference that has LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook, Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert and Michael Connolly and Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker, and Luka Doncic, and Chris Zingis and the Splash Brothers, okay? And John Moran, and Jaron Jackson Jr., and Damian Lillard, and, and uh, CJ McCollum, and even Zion Wilson, and Brandon Ingram. Like, a lot of those are good two to three tandems, and it's just going to be Paul George. So I'm sorry to say this, Paul George, but you're not going to be a playoff team, no matter how courageous you were last year in the playoffs, you are not going to be making the playoffs. Last but not least, the Sacramento Kings. You a couple years ago were the ninth seed, and you were so close to making the playoffs, and this was before they had those playing games, and that was when you had a different head coach, let's say. I would say that you had a different head coach because that was the thing. They got I love Luke Walton. He he was he got the raw deal in Los Angeles, but that is where I'm just saying to myself, like, okay, you haven't made the playoffs in like 2005, and the last time you were close was a couple of years ago when you finished eighth. Every year it seems like you just keep you keep going back. So yeah, you finished the ninth seed in the 2018-19s, and then you finished 12th the back-to-back years. So that's why I'm like, again, this year you're going to finish in that that 12 or 13 spot like that's where you're going to be and I don't get it is it because the coaching it doesn't work with the players you have like that's where I'm just like I don't know was it the previous coach before you was a better fit and as I'm saying I like Luke Walton like I you know I don't have a problem with him but I don't know what's up with this team here okay That's where I, I just don't get it here. Now, I, it's like similar with the Timberwolves. I just don't get it. Darren Fox is one of these better young point guards. He keeps getting better every day. They talk about how Marvin Bagley Jr. is a nice def- nice center, young center in this league. But then, like Memphis, like Darren Jackson Jr., they're playing him at power four, which, again, makes not a lot of sense. And this Rashawn Holmes, nobody ever heard of. I don't think he's that amazing that he would be the starting center, but again, Tristan Thompson is not really a center. Alex Lynn is more of a backup. But then this is the problem with this team here. If you start Marvin Bagley at power forward and not Harrison Barnes, then how when is Buddy Hield going to start? Everybody's praising Buddy Hield. He's this great young scorer, and we got traded for Demarcus Cousins to go to the King. The Pelicans were going to miss out on him because he's been a great three-point shooter and great scorer. They haven't listed here as a backup because of the first-round pick Tyrese Halliburton who the Bulls should have drafted a plenty of teams drafted, he's turned out to be a good player. So him and De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley Jr. and Buddy Heal, those are four young, talented players, okay? I don't know how, along with Harrison Barnes being a good veteran, how this team is not better than the 12th record, okay? Mo Harkless, Tristan Thompson, Alex Lynn, okay. They're okay, you know, players on your roster there, okay? They're nice backups, but it's just like... I don't really get it. I don't know how this team could do anything more. And then in the draft, they drafted Davian Mitchell and this Masami Kucha. So again, taking Davian Mitchell, despite the fact that they have Fox, Hella Burton, and Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heal, like up, like it, they're, they're, it's not makes no sense there, and it makes absolutely no nothing. And unless they do trade Buddy Heal, then that's going to work out. Maybe this Quad dude becomes a good center, but overall, the Sacramento Kings are going to continue to be the worst team in their division at the bottom of the Western Conference and trying to get themselves another lottery pick. And they may trade Buddy Hield, which is pretty stupid because he's probably the main dude that they still have from that DeMarcus Cousins trade because he's still a good player. Like, hey, the Bulls are a little bit crowded right now with some of their players, but as a Bulls fan, I would love to take Buddy Hield. I think there are, like, five teams that probably wouldn't take him, but, yeah, I think everybody else would take him because he is... Good player. And they even signed him to a contract extension, which is where I don't get it. He won a three-point shootout before. Like, he is a really good player. Okay, thanks for listening to the Western Conference preview. I'm briefly just going to touch on the fact that this is how I think the West will go. Nuggets, Lakers, Jazz, Suns, Mavericks, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Trailblazers. I feel like those would be the 1-8. through eight, But with the playing game, there's no guarantee that like the Trailblazers, the Grizzlies, and the Clippers are going to be in those spots. But I feel the like Clippers will just make, miss the playoffs. The Pelicans will also miss the playoffs. And Spurs have said... They're just in the middle pack right now. Same thing with the King. Timberwolves are still going to be bad. The Thunder are purposely trying to be bad. And the Rockets are purposely trying to be bad. The way if it goes the way I have it predicted. I'll have Nuggets vs. Shell Blazers. Nuggets win. Lakers vs. Grizzlies. Lakers win. Jazz vs. Warriors. I feel like the Warriors will upset the Jazz if everything is clicking with the Splash Brothers and all the players. Mavericks vs. Suns. Uh, unfortunately, well, the Mavericks will lose in the first round to the Suns for me because I think Luka is amazing. The Nuggets will face the Suns, and this time I think the Nuggets will get the revenge because Mal Murray will be back, and and I don't know if Chris Paul's health will be an issue. Lakers vs. Warriors, I got the Lakers winning it, and Nuggets vs. Lakers this is a good matchup, but I still feel like the Lakers are going to play the Nets in the playoffs. Now, MVP-wise, Luka Doncic could be up for MVP. I don't think LeBron or Anthony Davis will be. Jokic just won it, and I was thinking anybody in Utah or Phoenix or the Warriors or the Grizzlies are there yet. Rookie of the Year, though... Jalen Green of the Rockets. There's a few other players, but nothing that amazing. And then Olet court, Draymond Green, and Rudy Gobert could be defensive players of the year. Monty Williams who, and Quinn Snyder, who both could have won it last year, and Mike Malone, all of them could technically win it this year. Executive of the year, it's mostly Eastern Conference team, but players who can be most improved are Shea Gills, Alexander the Thunder, Keldon Johnson the Spurs, and the Bridges, who's on the Suns. Thanks for listening to the 2021-22 20, NBA preview of the Western Conference I'm radar from the radar. see you guys next time.